Life coaching, my word, how exciting this series has been. We've loved it. The whole point of this series is that we believe that we, as Asher Vineyard, have been placed here to bring life to our town. What type of life? Well, the life that Jesus speaks of when he says, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you'd have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. So, Life coaching is about living life to the full. So all the subjects that we've covered, of which you are about to see them, the ones in grey are the ones we've done. All these subjects on here, we believe, this list is not exhaustive, but we do believe that each of these subjects contributes to us being able to live life to the full. So you'll see we've already done cost, creating space, silence and solitude. Last week we had Charlotte. Um, with all her wonderful journaling. Nick had a meeting together, the irony, that was the first one in lockdown two. And then our thought life, dealing with your past. Uh, We heard Kat speak, uh, quite that tricky subject of forgiveness. And so we keep going. This is our last one before we take a little Christmas break. And then we will come back after Christmas in January when we are praying, we will be out of tier three and uh, we will be all in a better place as far as tears go. So, the Bible. Let's, uh, let's start here. There we go. The Bible. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about it. However, in 20, 25 minutes maximum... The last thing I could do, and the biggest waste of time, would be to give you a whole bunch of stats about the Bible. I just honestly, frankly, can't think of anything much duller. If you like stats, get the Guinness Book of Records. Apparently, Black Friday, eight quid, I think it was. So that's not bad, is it? I won't say where from. So it is an all-time bestseller with over five billion copies sold of the Bible. It's difficult to calculate exactly how many are sold each year, but best estimates are put at roughly around 100 million Bibles sold every year. I believe that if I am going to live life to the full, the Bible is crucial. I don't believe that I can live life to the full without the Bible. Don't quite quote that yet, because I'm coming on to more. Recently, we created a series of videos. Some of the leaders here created some videos for people who've just said yes to Jesus. The videos covered a series of topics, and Liz Thatcher, our very own Liz Thatcher, she did one on the Bible. And she said this, I've heard it said that the Bible is a handbook for life. I prefer to say that it's a story of God's love for us and his purposes for us. I have a handbook for my washing machine, but I don't have a relationship with Samsung. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Thank you, Liz, for that. That honestly made my day. So what is it? What is the Bible? I mean, yes, it's a collection of books, and I I will give you some stato stats in just a minute, and kind of we get those done and out of the way. A, A love letter from God to us? 
I've heard people say it's just a list of all the, all the decent things that you're not allowed to do. Um, I've heard people say, well, it's just a bunch of nice stories, much like mm, Aesop's fables or something. In fact, to many people, they would say, well, why even have the Bible at all? It's just a pointless, out-of-date, inaccurate book. Well, I believe the main aim of the Bible is this. The Bible's chief aim is for God to reveal himself to the reader. This is so important. Can we just leave that on the screen a minute? I want to say it one more time. The Bible's chief aim is for God to reveal himself to the reader. Now, nowhere in there does it say the Bible's chief aim is for us to learn more stuff. It is for God to reveal who he is. Why does God even want to reveal himself? Because he's a father. The book is a relational book. What God is trying to do in the pages of the Bible is show us something of who he is so that our relationship with him can be started, maybe even, and it can be deepened. I've got a story coming up at the end which will give a brilliant example of this. So did you know you can read the Bible from cover to cover and not have any relationship with God at all? I'm sure that there are some people in Bible colleges and churches all over the world that maybe have a few of these people in. So how do we then read the Bible and not just reduce it to factual learning, but instead see more of God in the pages. Hold that thought. We will come to that. Here we go. You're like this. This is the only page of facts. This is it. All you fact people out there, you'll love this. Look at it. It's colour-coded. It's in order. So, the Bible is in three main languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. 66 books, um, about 40 authors. It was written over 1,500 years. It was first translated into English in 1382, first printed in 1454. Now, just to compare this as far as translation goes, Shakespeare has been translated into 50 languages. The Bible has been translated into 2,018 languages. So much is it a bestseller that it is often disqualified from being on the bestseller list because it would frankly become dull. So here's a slight aside for you. And you're going to actually need to answer this, okay? Just very quickly, looking at Jesus. So you have the Bible from beginning to end. It's really the story of um, mankind, very from the beginning. Jesus comes about here, like very roughly. Uh, We are currently about here. And then there's some stuff in the Bible that we haven't yet seen. So when Jesus comes here, and he's around not actually for kind of massively long, What are the top three subjects, do you
do you think that Jesus taught on? You can have a little think to yourself. If you've got someone there you can have a conversation with, ask them what they think. The top three subjects that Jesus taught on. Any ideas? Okay, now I'm about to show you a slide which will give away the answers. There's no point asking people in the room because most people who are here today I've had this conversation with. But this next slide, I can see that some of you are going to be peering at the telly if you're watching it on the telly or at a screen. Here we go. This slide here. Now, this might not mean much to you and I know it looks a bit like a record, old school, Vinyl, you know. What it actually is, is a list of all the subjects Jesus taught on. And you can hopefully see there are three coloured, well, there's about four or five coloured bars. One coloured bar goes nearly, as you look at it, for your way round of looking. Hang on a moment, let me turn it round in my head. Goes nearly all the way round. And then you've got another one that stops about there, another one that stops about there. You can see a lot of them really are fairly short. So this is from the infographic Bible. If you love infographics, get this Bible. It's really worth it. It's amazing. So the top three subjects that Jesus taught on are... Number three. Faith. I know. Faith. Number two. Father. God being a father. And number one, the big reveal, kingdom of God. Now, there are plenty of other things he taught on. The next two things, actually, interestingly, are money and Satan, are number four and number five. Now, you could say, what has this particularly got to do with the Bible, other than we've taken this information from the Bible? It is this. I just said that the chief aim of the Bible is for God to reveal himself to the reader. Look at this. This says that Jesus came and he taught about the kingdom, the realm of where Father God rules. And the only way that you can, if you like, access God is through faith. There has to be an element of belief. There has to be an element of trust. So you have this kingdom, this rule, this reign, this realm, this expanse. And in the heart of that, you have the heart of the Father. You have Father God. So Jesus is revealing God as a father. This is big news. So he says, we've got this kingdom. In the heart of it is my father, is your father. And you trust, you have faith. You lean into that. Isn't that just a beautiful thing? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this a bit kind of seemingly negatively. I'm going to give you three ways to not read the Bible. And then we'll come on to how better to read it. I'm going to get these three out of the way, because if not, I finish with three seemingly negatives. Here we go. Number one, don't consider it optional. The Bible is not an optional book. It's not 
if you are in any way trying to discover more of who God is, it's not a book that you can say, yeah, well, it's, it's all right. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I read a bit of it once. I mean, I'm not really sure I agree with that bit. I, yeah, I, I don't really like that. But in fact, I've torn that page out of mine. I'm, I'm not really comfortable with that. And Yeah, but I really like this bit where it says God will never leave us or forsake us. But I mean, a lot of the rest of it, and, and that bit, I don't understand. So basically, I've just kind of paperclipped those pages together in my Bible, and I, I just skip over them every time. And the book is not optional. It isn't really a take it or leave it thing. Now... I have been in churches where there seems to be four members of God, four people who are God, if you like. You've got Father God, you've got God the Son, Jesus, you've got God the Holy Spirit, and then you've got God the Bible. The Bible itself is not holy in the sense of it is not God. The Bible is not God. The Bible reveals who God is. And God has basically looked at the Bible and said, yes, I like it. Tick, I inspired this book. Now, some of the problem is you can say, well, look, to be honest, I'm just led by the Holy Spirit. I am not really the Bible. You know, I think it's laden with errors. I think there are prejudices in there. It's very human. I just am led by the Holy Spirit. There is one problem with that. And that is this. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then... When I get to heaven, I will know fully, even as I've been fully known. And this is Paul talking in a book called 1 Corinthians. So the Bible is to be our plumb line. Because I can think all kinds of things according to what's going on in culture, how tired I feel, what mood I'm in, and oh, I think the Holy Spirit's saying this. Well, the Holy Spirit might not be saying that at all. As we often joke here, it could be trap wind. You're not actually hearing God at all. And I'm not hearing God at all. The Bible is our absolute plumb line. God has revealed himself in that way, so it is not optional. Here's the next one. Don't read it dry. What do I mean by that? We need the Holy Spirit if we are ever to see God in the pages. This is a little bit trite, but I'm going to go with it. There is a saying that says, all Bible and we dry up, all spirit and we blow up. So we have to approach the Bible with faith in who God is. You can't sit back and read it. You have to lean in and read the Bible. You always have to lean in. Not physically, but an orientation of the heart. And we'll come on to a little bit how to do that in just a few moments. Lastly, point number three of how not to read the Bible Don't change it to what we want to hear. You cannot go and find this random verse somewhere and say, well, this is okay. Did you know there's a man in the Old Testament who was stabbed and killed while he's on the toilet? He is that fat that the fat covers over even the handle of the dagger that was used to kill him and they didn't even realise he was dead for a while. You cannot take that verse and go, right, I'm now going to go looking for fat people on toilets. Like, of course not. Absolutely, of course not. And you can't do, there are so many other random bits where people grow their hair to become strong and someone goes and washes, but they don't wash often enough and then they build altars and and they put a load of 
um, water all over the altar and then they pray for God for the fire to come. And We're not recommending any of this. You cannot just take a little bit of the Bible and basically say, ah, this bit's for me. The rest of that bit isn't. This bit's for me. So, don't consider it an optional book. Don't read it dry. And don't change it to what we want to hear. They feel quite strong, those three, but let's move on. So how do we read the Bible so we see more of God? That's how I want to read the Bible. This is exactly how we want to read the Bible. So, if you remember nothing else of this morning... Get any pictures of that king, whoever it was, on the toilet. Get rid of all that out of your head. Here we go. Read it regularly and listen for what you notice. Now, I'm going to get you all to say it. I know you love this stuff. At home as well, I will be checking up. I'm going to ask God who's not saying it. Are we ready? Everyone in the room as well. Read it regularly. And listen for what you notice. Okay, if you write nothing else down today, write down those nine words. This is how to approach the Bible. The Bible does not need our critique. It needs our attention. So you might find bits of it that you say, I don't understand that, I don't like that, I don't like the way it's written, so on and so forth. It's just the Bible. The beautiful thing is, God is able on every page, in every story, God is able to reveal something more of who he is. So, let's break this down. Here's the first bit. Read it regularly and listen for what you notice read it any translation will do there are different translations of the bible um i would find one that basically you find it is fairly easy to read i would probably avoid king james if you're literally just going to try and read 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 um i would avoid something like the amplified bible if you're just going to read 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 only because of the way they're translated you're probably going to get bogged down unless you're incredibly erudite um but I use, I tend to use the main two I use are the Passion Translation, which is here, which isn't even a full translation yet. And I use the NIV, which is here. Look at this. I even have a very biblical case. What would Jesus do? I know. They're like hen's teeth these days. In the 80s, they were all over the place. <laughs> so you can also, you can find the Bible online very easily. And you can do literally just search Bible and you'll find there are a number of apps. Um, so you can go to websites, you can download them as apps. There's Bible in one year. So many things like that. Read it. The Bible is not magic. It doesn't do something just by being there on the side. It doesn't do something even just by opening it. It does something when we lean in and we say, God, speak to me. Show me more of who you are. And then we begin to read. I would encourage you to read it every day at some point. You can build it into other things you do. You can also listen to it. So it might be on your commute every day if you have one that you choose to listen to it. Or on a dog walk, you can listen to it. 
a number of ways. <clears throat> this is the next thing. Regularly. As we're saying, every day. Now, some of you may have heard of a chap called Smith Wigglesworth. He was actually a plumber turned preacher, had the most amazing encounter with God and his life was completely changed. He used to do the most phenomenal miracles where he would see cancerous lumps on people and he would literally just grab and snatch the lump out and throw it away. I mean, honestly, he is worth reading about. He said this, or this was said of him, I beg your pardon. Oftentimes, he could be seen riding on a bus or a train reading his Bible. I've heard several stories of how Smith would be so stirred by scripture that he was reading that he would jump to his feet, get the attention of those around him and begin to loudly proclaim the word of the Lord. This was known to lead to many people saying yes to Jesus in buses and trains all over England. That is seeing God revealed in the pages. That is how to read the Bible. It doesn't mean you have to read it on public transport, but the next bit. So read it, read it regularly, and this. Listen for what you notice. Now, that may sound a bit odd to you. We've recently been doing a Gospels challenge with our girls. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that tell the stories of Jesus, and we gave them a challenge. Basically, we said, if you are willing to read all four Gospels... And on each of the chapters, you ask God the question, God, what is it that you want to show me in this? Or what stands out to me in this? What, do, what am I noticing? What am I hearing and noticing as I read this? If you're willing to do that, we'll pay you. So we have. It's really good. Um, and it's great for them because God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And so we thought, well, let's just encourage them in that way. And that just helps them. And do you know what? They have got so much out of it, not least money. But what I've loved is, even though, would they have done it without the incentive of money? Uh, I'm not really sure. But while the money has been a blessing to them, not as much as it has been the reading. This is a couple of things, and I asked Lucy's permission. Um, so chapter 5 of Matthew, she said this, the bit that stood out to me was the bit when Jesus wiped the evil spirits from the man in Galilee because nobody wanted the man or liked him. But Jesus didn't need to be questioned. He went up to the man and did what the man needed and wanted him to do. That's what stood out to her. Chapter 10, this is what stood out to her. The bit that stood out to me was the bit where Jesus said to his disciples, let the children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And he is showing people that children are carriers of his grace too. Wow. Wow. She's finished, Matthew. Matthew is all done. But she's listening. We are teaching our kids to listen for what you notice. It's not just what do you notice. There's something about hearing God speak. You can hear God speak when you notice something. So that's why we talk about listening for what you notice. Now, I'm going to tell you a story uh, very quickly of something that happened to me this week. So this is in closing. 
And the various people who were involved in this story would have absolutely no idea of the other parts of the story that happened. But this is perfect. It's like God knew that I was going to be talking about the Bible this morning. Last time, I ended up on Psalm 23. The Bible was happening today. So earlier on in the week, I have been deliberately taking more time out of my daily schedule to spend time reading the Bible, spending time deliberately with God, journaling, etc. I've like upped it, and I'm particularly studying and looking at certain things. So earlier on in the week, I decided, well, where am I up to in Matthew? Because I said, well, I'll do it as well. And I'm trying to do it a little bit slower than them to encourage them. It's kind of half working. And I, I read Matthew 12. Now, Matthew, first book about Jesus. And in chapter 12, there's this bit. And this is what can happen. If you get to know the Bible reasonably well, you can kind of start verses and, like, yeah, 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 and you end up repeating the end of it because you know. So... Jesus is saying, make a tree good and the fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognised by its fruit. We know this, right? And then he's speaking to the church leaders of the day, saying, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I know this verse. I know this verse really well. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's been incredibly effective verse over the years that's really caused me to think. However, earlier on in the week, I didn't read it in the translation that I probably know best, and instead I read it in the Passion Translation. And it says this, what, instead of uh, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks, it says this, for what has been stored up in your heart will be heard in the overflow of your words. What has been stored up in your hearts will be heard in the overflow of your words. I don't know how to describe it other than in that moment, as I read that, I heard God drop the mic. There is something that is heard in our words, even when our words are accurate and there's nothing wrong with our words, there is something heard in our words. And it comes from the things that are stored up in our heart. And God began to speak to me about some issues that I need to get resolved. It it wasn't fun, but I was really grateful. And God was so gentle and loving. And I could hear him speaking and telling me situations, and I'm still praying my way through them. And that's all great. Now, the next thing that happened, that's already amazing. The next thing that happened was I was speaking to Francis because Francis Easton, because we are launching a Kingdom Academy here. Oh, spoiler, more of that to come another time. But Francis said, oh, Chris, now, um, your welcome video for the Kingdom Academy, you, um, and I thought, oh, dear, this isn't going well. You, um, yeah, you came across as um, a, a, bit, um, a bit harsh. Oh, did I? Oh, uh, oh, I wonder why that is. I don't remember... Feeling, okay, yeah, I mean, leave it with me. I'll have another look. And um, yeah, thanks. And thanks for being so honest. Yeah, it's really helpful. Thank you. Um, and so I eventually came off that. It wasn't the only thing she rang to tell me. We were in a meeting. Um, and afterwards, I, re- I rewatched it. And I thought, oh, um, oh maybe. Yeah, I, I, I can see what she's saying. I don't smile much. 
was very earnest. So I decided I was going to come down to the warehouse and I would re-record this video. So I walked into the office and three wonderful people uh, who work here were in the office. And one of them, um, Kaylee, I, I mentioned this and I said, and Francis said I sounded a bit harsh, so I've just basically come down to re-record it. I was really grateful for her being honest, I said. And Kaylee said, I oh, will be honest. I said, oh, okay, sure, um, fine. I got my phone out and I showed them the, the, the same clip. It's only 90 seconds or so. I showed them the same clip. I got to the end and Kaylee said, oh, I, I wouldn't say harsh. I thought, okay, okay. She said, I'd say more like cold and authoritarian. I said, do you mean authoritative? No, authoritarian. Right. right. I mean, we really like you and everything. Yeah, no, 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 that's, that's, that's okay. Ow. Um, and bless her, honestly, I thank them. They had no idea that God this morning had spoken to me, Chris, in your words, you give away some things that are in your heart, even if you're saying the right words. There is an overflow of what is heard, what is in, stored up in your heart can be heard in your words. And honestly, those three who are in the office, particularly Kaylee, who's probably kicking herself for being so honest, I made such a point of thanking them because I was genuinely grateful and they didn't know, but they were adding to what God had already started in the morning. Now, there is every possibility that if I hadn't read that bit in the morning and heard God already speak to me, that if Francis had spoken to me and said I sounded a bit harsh and then dear Kaylee had said, no, you're not, you're cold and authoritarian, there is every, every, <laughs> every likelihood I'd be spending the rest of my week trying to forgive them. Um, but you know what? God had paved the way and it all came from reading the Bible regularly and listening for what God is saying. So I'm going to pray very quickly and then Nick is going to just come and wrap us up. Father, thank you that you reveal yourself in these pages. It's just a book, but you show who you are. I don't know how you even do it, but God, through these pages, you even show us who we are. It is the most beautiful and wonderful thing. And God, we pray that every time we read the Bible, it draws us into more of a relationship with you. And if it doesn't, we put it down and we come back later. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for who you are revealed in these pages. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.